My role is anything that's growth-oriented for the organization. So that includes international technology, investments, and acquisitions, which included our first acquisition, which was NextGen Golf. On the innovation, we do have this effort, an innovation fund, and the idea goes central to our mission to grow the game and serve our members. As we thought about that, we realized that we can do a lot more to help drive innovation in the game that can benefit the membership. The way we look at it is two areas. It's more of the near term, which is sports and golf organizations are already playing in this space. And then the other area we look at, which is a little bit further away, is companies outside of the sports and golf space that we believe could be transformative. There is a lot of technologies and services and innovations in other industries that can really help the golf industry. And they tend not to come to the golf industry either because they just don't think about us or they tend to come 10 years late or some other company comes with inferior copycat tech, right? Right. And so we're out there, knock on their doors and say, hey, think about us. There's a business to be had for you and we're gonna help you knock down some of the walls of complexity. Welcome to our final Season 10 episode of the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak to the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks very much for joining us, and please subscribe to the show so you hear all about our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. Before we get started, I wanted to thank one of our sponsor partners, Golf Genius Software, for helping bring you this episode. Golf Genius Software powers tournament management at thousands of private clubs, public courses, resorts, and golf associations all over the world. So if you're a golf course operator and you want to do less work, have more fun, and generate more revenue, check them out online at golfgenius.com. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Arjun Chowdhury, Chief Administrative Officer and Chief Innovation Officer at the PGA of America. As the Chief Administrative Officer, Arjun is responsible for the development and execution of long-range strategic plans and objectives. And when he's not too busy doing that, he has a dual role as Chief Innovation Officer, where he fosters a culture of innovation by identifying and executing in growth areas to elevate the profession and the $90 billion a year industry that he is a part of. So with that, Arjun, hey, thanks so much for joining us today and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks so much, Colin, for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as soon as I saw your role as chief innovation officer a couple of months ago, this is like a slam dunk fit for the Mod Golf podcast this is what we love to talk about. We jumped out of Zoom call a little while ago, so I have a bit of a background and understanding now to wrap my arms around what, what it is that you do. But I just love the fact that this role exists at the PGA of America. So we want to dig into that to find out exactly what that means and what you're doing under that role. But first, I like to have a bit of an icebreaker here. And I know you've worked in many sports. You actually worked with Coca-Cola brands. You've worked with the Indian Premier League, which I want to talk about as far as lessons learned from there. But I'd like to bring it all the way back and start with this question. Your first connection with golf. When was the first time you ever picked up a club and what was that experience like? Yeah, so uh, I don't know the first time actually, which, which is probably <laughs> interesting. But I didn't golf really until I joined the PGA of America. Okay. Um, and, and so that's that's different than others. I'm sure I had played once or twice or a couple of times with friends, let's say, you know, event, a bachelor party, corporate outing or something of that nature. But I never really had golf prior to the PGA. So that I think that was part of why the PGA was attracted to me. And frankly, why I was attracted to the PGA was the idea of taking some of the outside thinking I may have, combine it with the incredible expertise of, of my teammates, 
and try to grow the game together. Nice, nice. This is interesting. We were just talking the other week on the podcast, and it's a recurring theme that we have in, in entrepreneurship as far as rather than trying to create something from scratch, look outside of the industry or whatever it is you're trying to create and see the trends and patterns, things that resonate, things that connect, things that work and bring that in. So I love this. And that's why I want to start here, Arjun, is that you have, I always make the joke that ignorance is my superpower. I was never in the golf industry before eight years ago. My background in architecture and in sport architecture and event design. So in a way that I felt that liberated me, I didn't have these preconceived notions. So let's start with that. What lessons learned sure there's lots of them, but maybe there's one or two you can talk about with your background. And I mentioned your professional work with Coca-Cola, with brands there and all under the umbrella of all the brands they have there on the sponsorship side. And then also what you were doing on the ticketing side and and elsewhere with the Indian Premier League, which we'll explain a little bit to our our listeners here. So tell us about that. It's like, what do you feel were your strengths that you brought in as, I guess in this case, really as an entrepreneur to bring in to offer the value under this role of the chief innovation officer with the of America. From a strength perspective, the biggest strength I've built is been able to, to listen and to take information from different sources and extract them into opportunities. So what I mean by that is you talked about learning and seeing what others do and things of that nature. That's very much when I look at any challenge or opportunity, the first thing I do is look at what others are doing, right? Learning from others, whether it be maybe more traditional sports entities, but also trade associations. Will I look at an AARP or someone else and say, hey, what are, what are they doing out there? What is the, the Nature Conservancy doing? What is National Geographic doing? What is the NBA doing and, and how they service as teams, like how we should service sections? And then take the next layer, which is a critical filter, is just understanding us, right? And learning about us and, and seeing where our opportunities are and challenges That takes a lot of conversations and and some research and then taking that and distilling it into potential path forward. That's really, I would say that my greatest strength is just to be able to take various points of information and to distill and create an approach that I can hopefully align our organization behind. Got it. Got it. So to drill down into that a little bit more, before you arrived at uh, the PGA of America and took this position... So you've been there, what, about nine years now? I take it, did I get that right? I think that's about right, yeah. About right, okay. So the fact you really were not playing golf and also in the golf industry. So what were your preconceived notions before going into the job of what you thought golf was or where the opportunities, or we talk about in entrepreneurship, kind of the gaps or the pain points or where they were lagging behind that, the lessons you had learned from the other sports and the other uh, professional responsibilities you had in the past? So out of the gate, let's start there. What, what did you think needed, yeah. needed to change? Yeah, you, a lot of these times you start with your personal perspective. And for me, I, I always was like, golf should have wanted me. Why didn't they, they get me, right? Kind of yeah. thing, right? I, was, I grew up in a, a small town in Massachusetts in a decent economic status and never thought golf was for someone like me. Right. And having worked on brands that are badge brands, right? Like, so the vitamin waters of the world, you always measure yourself blank is for someone like me. Mm-hmm. And, and the simple thought was like, it never, golf didn't come into my consideration set. It never had a chance because it never entered the consideration set. So I'm the child of immigrants, and my brother, who's four years older, taught me all the sports I know. 
right. right? Like, but he never told me about golf. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize, and he's an avid sportsman, he really didn't know much about golf. And All right. The PJ Championship app in Kiowa this year, and he's a teacher in Charleston. So I had him and my, my nine or 10 year old nephew come with me. My nephew was asking some questions, and I was kind of waiting for my brother to answer as, you know, as his father. And my brother didn't have any answers. And it was to the point of simplicity of like, how is a match score? Right. Like that basic level. Right. And I, and I realized it was really never in our consideration set. That is a big mess. Right. And, and you know, the beauty of that weekend is also my nephew saw uh, someone like him then in the sport and then started watching the next day and then went to the driving range and then went to play putt putt or something like that. So I think it's really important. The reason I tell that story is like golf wasn't in my consideration set. And that's a missed opportunity. And there's some simple things we can start doing, um, which is why I was attracted to the organization mostly was to make that happen. There's so much growth potential because it it truly is a wonderful game. Having entered it into it later in life, I've realized it is an incredibly hard game to be good at, but it's so easy to enjoy. So easy. That's a that's a great way to put it. And I love the story you, you, you share with us with your nephew. And it reminds me of a conversation I've had with Sandy Cross, who is your chief people officer. And I don't think she invented this line, but she definitely expresses it quite often. And that is, in order to be one, you need to see one. And not only inspired, but also felt welcome and justified that this particular sport or this thing is, is for me. So it sounds like your nephew experienced that firsthand and that it motivated him to get a, a club in, in his hand. So that, that's great. I love to hear that story. So with that, let's move forward between where you started nine years ago and the progression, because things certainly have evolved with the PGA of America, especially on that diversity and inclusion piece and making golf more welcoming and inviting to everybody and the platforms and the initiatives that not only you, but the other people around you and the other teams are are putting in place. And that's the multi-billion dollar industry opportunity for golf, right? Is making golf welcoming for women, BIPOC communities, LBGTQ communities. And well, to be blunt about it, everyone that doesn't look like me, a middle-aged white guy, that's kind of kind of the thing, right? And that's a massive opportunity. So let's start here. I know what entrepreneurship we talk about, don't boil the ocean. Don't try to do everything at once and try to capture all this market. Get some small wins and, and be intentional and strategic since long-term strategy is part of your responsibility. Tell us about the initiatives over the last couple of years of the decisions of what you've decided to focus your limited resources and your energy on, or one thing you want to push out that maybe in a couple of years when you have more time. So the simple way to ask this question is, what have you been focusing on the last couple of years for our listeners to understand, to yeah. roll out, to make the game more welcoming and inviting for everyone, and also to increase the level of innovation and entrepreneurship within the industry? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the question. So in terms of what I'm focusing on or what I have been the last couple of years, we'll start with the project that is probably most visible and that I'm the least involved in now. Okay. Right. But I wasn't very much involved in at the nascency. So it's PJ Frisco. We had an older headquarters and we were thinking about renovations or purchasing a new building. And we kind of paused that for a moment and said, hey, this is a you know kind of a once in a multi-generation decision. Let's really do this right. So I, I engaged in a project where we thought about what we needed, who the organization was, and then bid it out to multiple cities. So I went around the, the country and started building it out to multiple cities with the expectation that could we move? Maybe, but there's a high likelihood that something doesn't make sense. And then when we were presented with the opportunity, a real true public 
private opportunity between the state of Texas, the city of Frisco, and the Rowling family who, who owns Omni Resorts to create what Seth, our CEO, usually refers to as the laboratory of golf. And I, I like to call St. Andrews meets Disney World. It just was All something right. we, we couldn't pass up on. So I say that because you know that's kind of this jewel pinnacle point that represents everything we are as an organization and that inclusivity, right? It is a public golf course that is global in nature, that is part of the community, and that will have the greatest championships played on in, in the world. It's just a true representation, as well as, perhaps more importantly, it's the home of our membership and, and where they will come for, for their education. So I say that because I, I do think it is incredible. And there's now a lot of my smarter teammates that are better at this stuff than me that are actually now taking that vision and the partnership that we establish and actually bringing it to life in such more of an incredible way than I could have ever dreamed. And I'm so excited to just be part of that process. Right? Nice. Nice. So before you move on to answer the, the other part of the question yeah. that you were, you were going to touch on, I just wanted to drill down into the new headquarters in, in Frisco. Now I'm getting excited because I'm putting my architect hat on here and want to learn more about this. And I've had some other people from the PGA of America on the podcast to talk about it a little bit, but now you're getting closer and closer to then taking occupancy. So first, let's start with that. When are you making the migration, the move from Florida, where you've been for, what, 50, 60, 70 years? I'm not sure how long, but quite some time and obviously outgrowing physically that facility. So tell us about that. When are you moving in? And then I would love to hear about the programming of that space. I've seen some images and when we jump on a video interview, so if our listeners want to see what the new headquarters is going to look like, we'll have some B-roll and some images there on our video on our YouTube channel so you can check that out there. So so tell me a little bit about that. What's the rollout for the team during COVID of all things to then move over? When's that date? And talk about the programming. Were you part of that to make the space physically embody the culture that you're promoting of connectivity and collaboration? So tell me yeah. about that a bit. In terms of the, the rollout or the move, it's it's already been happening. Yeah. Right? We, we established a beachhead temporary office in Frisco uh, pre-COVID a couple of years ago. Uh -huh. We did that for multiple reasons. The first is that we wanted to make sure we were part of the community long before that the office opens. And we want to embed ourselves in that community. Two is is that it's not natural to move a corporation over you know three years. It's actually <laughs> kind of like corporate headquarters moves and it's six months later and you're like, here you go and move or don't. And we try to pride ourselves on being human their team. And so there's a lot of people that had different circumstances where they need to move a little earlier. And there's some circumstances where people want to move a little later, right? And mm -hmm. um, and if someone wants to move earlier, we, we certainly encourage them to do so and give them that opportunity. So that that's already happened. I think we probably already have 60 people in Frisco at this point. Our headquarters is scheduled to open early next year right. um, in 22. And then the full facility will really be hitting its stride the following year, which includes on a programming perspective, we'll have an incredible 500 key resort. We'll have retail. We're working towards building this best-in-class coaching center. We'll have the two courses and a, and a short course, and we'll have our 100,000 square foot headquarters. So I've been involved in the early stages of that. But again, this is something that my friends and colleagues like a, a John Newkirk, who's a PGA member, who's really poured his sweat and blood into that. And it's incredible. 
you walk in and there will be this incredible education space. And, and that's critical, right? So where the PGA associates come to get their education and to the back where they can hit out to the range. So that's going to be wonderful so that we can create the best learning environment for PGA professionals to then go out and succeed in their careers. Certainly, we're, we're building this wonderful collaborative space for the rest of the team as well. And then we're partnering with our the North Texas PGA section, who's creating this wonderful learning center for the community right next to our headquarters, as well as their headquarters will be there as well. So lots of stuff happening there. And it's true that everything's bigger in Texas. We're excited to see it and excited. And again, just a lot of props to, to my teammates, John, who I mentioned, Jimmy, Terry, who's been in there. Nice, nice. So I want to focus more on the innovation side of your portfolio and the team, and that's expanding. Yeah, I, if I understand, you are looking, I don't know if you've got money aside or you've got a fund and you're, you're treating this now like the PG of America is looking to dip their toe in as yeah. like a Silicon Valley type of accelerator or incubator for startups. So is there going to be physical space for golf entrepreneurs and innovators that you've then vetted and you see opportunities to partner with or invest in to bring them there? I'm just curious about, about that. Or is that something you're looking to do virtually? Or, or is that that opportunity to treat some of the space within the new headquarters as a golf startup incubator and accelerator? Yeah, I can certainly talk to, to that. On a, on a growth perspective, just the innovation side to capture it, my role there is anything that's growth-oriented for the organization. So that includes international, that includes technology, and that includes investments and acquisitions, which included our first acquisition, which was NextGen Golf. Mm -hmm. And so on the innovation, we do have this innovation effort, an innovation fund, and the idea goes central to our mission, right? Our mission is to grow the game and serve our members, right? And so as we thought about that, we realized that we can do a lot more to help drive innovation in the game that can benefit the membership, whether that be drive greater player engagement and revenues, whether that be drive efficiencies and cost reductions, whether that be something else, right? So the way we look at it is two areas. It's more of the near term, which is sports and golf organizations. There's organizations already playing in this space. And we just want to make sure we're helping them and we're supporting them. Mm -hmm. And when they come with thoughts or ideas, we're not always going to have some sort of formal partnership, but making sure we're giving them insights and thoughts and connections to if there is an idea that can help the industry and our membership, that we're doing everything we can to do so. A great example is someone, Joe Ossel, uh, the PGA member and founder of Golf Tech. Yes. He's now the, one of the largest employers of PGA of America professionals. He did it with grit and entrepreneurship. And what if we can find more Joes in the world? And what is that opportunity going to create for the PGA member? And then the other area we look at, which is a little bit further away, is companies outside of the sports and golf space that we believe could be transformative. Being part of a 90 billion or 84 billion R plus industry, there is a lot of technologies and services and innovations in other industries that can really help the golf industry. And they tend not to come to the golf industry either because they just don't think about us or they tend to come 10 years late or some other company comes with inferior copycat tech, right? Right. And so we're out there, knock on their doors and say, hey, think about us. There's a business to be had here for you. And we're going to help you kind of knock down some of the walls of complexity. And so from examples of that, 
can include companies in the agriculture technology space. Golf grass, in essence, is especially crop. All the innovation that's happening focused on farming, can some of that be deployed to the benefit of the golf industry? And that can be anything from sensor technology to aerial imagery to products that are less susceptible to disease or require less water. So we're looking at all those types of things with the idea of, hey, can we help them create a business that can help golf by doing so, raise the industry overall and help our membership. Other examples are retail is a focus, hospitality is a focus, education technology is a focus, right? At our core, we're a professional learning and development company in the way we engage PGA professionals, but also in the way we help PGA professionals get the tools they need to, to engage the consumers. There's a myriad of different areas. And again, it goes through the filter of, in essence, can it help our member? Can it grow the game? Like that's the core filter. In terms of fun per se, we're not talk talking about having it in a physical space or specific space or a kind of set traditional accelerator tech crunch or incubator space. What we're talking about is more of just having companies that can be part of us. We are open to doing investments nice. as well as part of that effort. It doesn't have to be investment sometimes. It can just be a partnership and sometimes, and it can in some cases just be, as I said, very informal and us just trying to help people. No, I, I love this. I lo love that you again touched on the fact you and your team look outside of the golf industry to see other opportunities in other industries, other sectors, and other technologies. And I love the agriculture tech, the ag tech, as they call it. I've had a couple of agronomists on the show from the USGA, and I, I now know that turf is one of, if not the biggest crop in the United States. I, I, I didn't even think about that. Kind of wrap your head around that, that, that it is. So it seems like all those opportunities to gain efficiencies through technology and production make a lot of sense. And it, it makes a lot of sense also in that clean tech sector also. So all those innovative technologies that are, are making environmentally sustainable choices and opportunities there. There's all kinds of chances there and opportunities within the golf industry also. So I love that, all the things that you're doing there. So wanted to ask you this, kind of switch gears a little bit. This may be more in Sandy Cross's wheelhouse, but I know all these things are interconnected with the work that all of you do here. So where do you see the real opportunity or what initiatives are you putting in place to create that grassroots outreach beyond what you already talked about or mentioned with Next Gen Golf, with Chris Hart and inquiring that what he does to connect with younger golfers. What are you doing now to connect with, let's even say with black golfers and Latino golfers and well, BIPOC communities? So maybe you could talk about that, what you're doing and others are doing and how that's connected in order to grow the game, to expand on what your nephew had experienced to actually then yeah. scale that across the country. You know, Sandy and some of my other colleagues leading that effort, but it's all of our responsibility in, in terms of driving a inclusive and welcoming environment into the sport for many reasons. One of the things I would say I'm, I'm focused on a lot is technology and how I can support our technology team because technology can be this kind of great democratizer of a lot of things. Just simplifying entry points and, and ease of entry so that if someone is interested, we speak to them. My colleague does the right marketing campaign and make sure people understand golf is for someone like them. How do they now actually enter the space, right? How do they get connected to the right people? So we've brought PJ.com in-house recently. We used to be a, a partnership with Turner, which, which is wonderful a number of years. But the reason we took it in-house was we had this vision of creating digital content and experiences and tools that connect consumers to the game of golf through the PGA Professional. 
And so we're starting to push out a, a series of, of features and, and tools that and content that can can help with that. My colleague and Sandy created these great campaigns called Make Golf Your Thing, and you see it. Okay, now what do I do? I want to take a golf lesson. What do I do? Okay, now you can go on PJ.com, type in your zip code. We have profiles for PJ professionals in your area. You can schedule and communicate with them directly there. Like, wonderful. That's going to help and create that ease of process because golf has traditionally been viewed as unnecessarily intimidating. And again, if a parent, uh, as me as a parent or someone else can just simply do it on their phone and, and book it, like that does an incredible amount of work. And then uh, speaking to that, PGA Junior League, I just think is something I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about. It creates that entry point for children that, that's really just wonderful and beautiful. It's boys and girls on the same team. They're wearing jerseys. And kids don't have any preconception on where they should or shouldn't be or who shouldn't or shouldn't be there. And it's just this great opportunity for us to create this really viral program where kids are inviting kids. And it's just the right product. Oh, I, I love that. And you touched on it where you ended with there invite. And Sandy also touches on that, the power of invitation. And I've taken that on myself to invite people. It could be just for pitch and putter, an executive course, where it isn't as intimidating of an ordeal to have people just come out and play golf for the first time. So being really intentional about that, inviting people out. And I encourage all of our listeners to to do just that and invite someone that doesn't play golf for a golf experience, whether it's just going to the driving range or even playing mini putt for what it's worth. You know, there are different golf experiences. And I know, Arjun, you embrace this also. So that you don't have to play 18 holes on a green grass experience to call it a golf experience. And I'm sure you've learned that from lessons learned from, let's say, basketball, where I'll go and play one-on-one or three-on-three with a bunch of guys. And it's still called basketball. I don't have to make excuses. The fact I'm not playing 48 minutes against LeBron James, I don't have to say, well, it's not quite basketball. It's kind of like basketball. No, it's basketball. It's a basketball experience. And the same with golf. So... With that, Let's just clarify, you you would never survive 48 minutes against the broad chips. We would all be in the hospital. After. Uh, no, no, no. Maybe they're a bit, bit of a bit of an overstatement there, but uh, but you know what I mean. There, <laughs> no, I would not. I would last 48 seconds out there in that, both talent wise, height wise, and age wise, and all the other wise things. Yes, it wouldn't happen. So, hey, I do want to on our video interview. I want to talk more about some of your past experience. But I do want to ask you this, because I have looked at the Indian Premier League, what they created now over 10 years ago, but almost 15 years ago, to create a new style of that very traditional sport. So rather than me explain that, perhaps you could tell our listeners, because most of our listeners are American. I'm up here in Canada, and most people are like, what the heck is cricket? It's kind of like a, a boring baseball game that takes five days to play, and it can end in a tie, and everybody's okay with that. So why don't you tell our audience here what the Indian Premier League is, and what lessons, one or two things that you've learned that you are bringing over to look to apply to golf? For those that don't know, the Indian Premier League is the first time India really had a domestic sports league, and they modeled it after the English Premier League, where you had uh, city-based teams and world-renowned stars from all over the world, from UK to Europe to Australia. Unfortunately, no no American cricketers are quite up to caliber to South Africa, etc. It was the titans of Indian industry buying franchises. I think it was 2006. It's incredible, and it's one of the most valued sports entities in the world right now. 
cricket was traditionally multi-day matches or at least 50 overs. And there, there was this format that started to be created and toyed with called T20, which is 20 overs. And an over is six bowls or pitches. So imagine basically each side gets 120 pitches. Right. right. Is the easiest way to think about it. But it ends up at lasting about two and a half hours which is really good TV content, right? We, we know that from the US. So that's how it was all based on, based in two and a half hours and, and city-based franchises with global icons. What we can learn from that and what we have learned from that in golf is what I just talked about with PJ Junior League. The fundamentals and the beautiful sport of cricket, nothing changed, right? Like we didn't fundamentally affect how the sport was played, right? That tradition still, still sits there. What just happened is some of the formats changed and you, you altered some of that. And it, again, doesn't mean you can't have the full thing. But in junior league, right, it's nine holes and it's kids playing together and they're on a team versus what was traditionally a single stroke. And as we come on, you know, two weeks from now, we're about to witness what's the most exciting sport event in golf, a year delayed, unfortunately, but it really is. It's incredible. And, and not having come from a golf fan background before, the first time I went to the Ryder Cup, I was like, this is different. This, yeah. this is exciting. This, this makes sense. This gets me stoked in a way that I don't get for any event. What we learned is that there are ways to subtly tweak formats without affecting the beauty of the game that can actually just bring more people in and drive greater interest. Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I know on the European tour, I've had Keith Pelly on the podcast back in our way back four years ago in season one. And the things that he was doing, he was creating this other format. I, I believe they called it golf sixes taking directly from the Indian Premier League there, condensing the format, making it a team format and trying all these different things, experimenting with that. Although we have the traditional format on the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour that people love, individual play, but I agree with you. That seems to be ingrained in us in our DNA, that tribalism to be part of something bigger, whether it's to cheer for your country or to cheer for a team. That's why college sports is so popular that your alma mater, that your alumni from, it doesn't matter if you're playing lawn bowling or darts or whatever, you want to crush the opponent and cheer for your team, even though you don't know the players. And a great example of that you can really look at is March Madness and how big that is. So just to finish up, are there anything in basketball that, because you've touched on that, that you see that you can apply to golf, whether it's a technology base or fan engagement piece of what you're looking at there? Yeah. The last point you were talking about is the common theme there really is about creating easily digestible things for people to understand and get behind. And I believe gaming and gambling is really going to help drive that as well for, for our industry. Golf is the sport that is most conducive to opportunities for sports wagering mm -hmm. right? and time between shots, between number of players on the field, between decisions that can be made, between number of events. And that creating that is going to allow people to have digestible ways to get really excited and peaked and deeper their own interest. I do think, you know, just from sports in general, those changes that are happening are going to really benefit our sport because, again, it's just going to give people another digestible way to, to get engaged and deepen their own engagement in the game. Nice. 
Believe me, I'm just getting warmed up here. I have so many other questions I want to ask you, but I'm going to show a little bit of restraint here. I am going to hold off because you and I are going to jump on our video interview for our YouTube channel. So I do encourage our listeners to also become viewers because there's other things I want to even go deeper in what you talked about there with this micro betting and what they call skills-based betting, even with golf and betting on yourself in certain opportunities, the whole entertainment side. So we've talked about the past and also what you're doing now, but also I want to get into in our next conversation, the future where you see real opportunities. So why don't we hold off on that, leave it as it is. So Arjun Chowdhury, Chief Innovation Officer, Chief Administrative Officer, both those hats with the PG of America. Hey, thanks so much for joining me on the Golf Podcast today. And before we leave here, why don't you let our listeners know the easiest way where they can learn more about all the good things that you are doing? Yeah, no, no, no problem. Appreciate you having me on. Everything I'm doing is part of the team, right? So I, I would say, you know, pga.com and, and then pga.org are the best places to look at. And if you've ever thought about being in the intro golf industry, I'd encourage you to check out pga.org and we'd love to welcome you into it. Excellent, excellent. Well, as I always do in the show notes and also on Arjun's bio page, I will include all those links to make it nice and easy for you, our listeners, to go check out all the great things, the impactful things, not only in golf, but also in our society to make golf look more like America. And that's the key, right, is to do that. And you guys are doing a great job. So Arjun, again, thanks very much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, Colin. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.